welcome y'all to the Section Y White podcast. Uh, my name is Harb. I'm joined here by my usual counterpart, Negative Niece, and one of our favorite reoccurring guests. I'm not going to say the favorite, but one of our favorites, uh, Mr. Brett Stanton. How you doing this evening, Brett? Doing good. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're on the podium. I mean, I can't give you a gold medal. <laughs> I wouldn't expect it out of a Harbin anyway. <laughs> Maybe during our uh, end of the year awards, we, we may vote on it. <laughs> yeah, we can vote I, on I, our uh, we can vote on our favorite special slash reoccurring guest. I like yep. it. I like uh, it. Uh, got a little bit of a loaded show. Um, things could get interesting on this episode. Um, Vols went down to Tuscaloosa. Um, as a tale of two halves, we'll call it that. We'll get into it more here in a little bit. But um, Vols falls short to number 11, Alabama, 34 to 20. Uh, Vols led 20 to 7 at halftime. Gave up 27 unanswered in the second half. Just um, inexcusable is one word that I would use to describe it. Um, I didn't make the trip down. Uh, Nathan, you made the trip down. Uh, tell us a little bit about the trip, uh, your experience in the stadium, the game as a whole, and uh, just your uh, just your weekend as a whole. Let's hear. Well, I'm 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 running on fumes, boys. I got probably a total of seven hours sleep all weekend. Uh, the Hornets played Friday night, and I left immediately after the game and drove to Birmingham, and got there about one o'clock Central Time, two o'clock our time, and then we got up at seven. Um, on Saturday morning, got ready, took a shower, Harbin, and it was not a top five shower. I'll just tell you that the Celesta Select Hotel in Birmingham, not a good shower. Was it uh, was it poor water pressure or no? Heat? The the water pressure was fine. It was like the soap that the hotel had wouldn't leather up, and I don't know. There's just something I didn't feel good. I, don't know, I just didn't feel good when I got done. Well, uh, an easy fix to that would be to take your own soap. <laughs> well, I did. I, I, I did. I normally takes my own soap. I, that's what I, I was going to say. I did, but I'm such a tightwad. When I looked in the shower, I was like, oh, they're providing Especially going just, to Tuscaloosa. I just use that. It was not it, soap. <laughs> I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I understand. Um, So we went to Tuscaloosa. Uh, my uncle's buddy, his son goes to Alabama, him and his buddy Ben. Great kids, cousin Ben, cousin Chris is what we call him. Um, hung out with them pregame. Uh, it was basically me and my uncle at a college tailgate, college kids tailgate. But they they loved having us there. They were so excited that we were coming down and went to the game and got my hopes up at halftime and unbelievable second half. And we'll talk about it here in a minute. But had to sit there and watch the Bama boys smoke a cigar after the game. And uh, some of them didn't know how to light it. They didn't know how to smoke cigars. It was kind of interesting watching them. They had fun. I mean, we got to blow smoke in their face last year, so I guess I had to sit there and take it. But went back to Chris's after the game, and after a couple hours, and some chocolate milks got passed around, and uh, it turned into a dance club. And Negative Niece went to bed about 3 o'clock Central Time this morning, and my uncle comes knocking on the door at seven o'clock central time and said, let's go. I don't think I slept any in that three hours. Cause there was a party going on across the street that didn't stop. 
Um, dogs were barking. People were yelling. Um, I'm running on fumes, but uh, I'm here for the brand, for the show. And I guess we'll talk about the game now, Harbin, right? I don't know. Yeah, I want to, hey, to hear about the weekend, too. Let, let me tell you one thing, though. I was leaving the stadium last night, and I didn't want to be there. I hate losing. I hate going on the road and losing in the SEC. And I kept asking my uncle, I was like, can we just drive home? I don't want to be here. Some girl walked up to me and called me a loser and put the L on her forehead. And I turned around and said something I shouldn't have said to her. Um <laughs> And I just don't – I can't stand it, man. I can't – I can't take it. I just can't take it. I hate it. I hate this. It's tough, man, um, especially after last year. Um, we finally got the monkey off our back, per se. Uh, we finally took down Saban and crew. And um, it's funny with uh, with this fan base. I mean, I'm 100% in this boat. Um, if you give us an – if you give us an inch, an inch of hope, we're going to try to take a mile for sure. Um, and does us losing this weekend make me want to abandon all hope for this program? Absolutely not. Um, but there was some things that I was irritated with, discouraged with, um, for lack of a better term, pissed off. Um, and the biggest thing for me uh, in this game was, in my personal opinion, I believe the coaching staff lost this game. Um, am I putting it fully on Hopple? No. Uh, am I putting it fully on the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator, Tim Banks? No, I'm not. I think it was, I think it was a little bit of a collective effort, um, which I, I don't get paid millions of dollars to coach college football. And I, I'm, I will never pretend to do so. But I want to say that we didn't make any adjustments in the second half, but we did. And they were the wrong ones, especially on offense. I mean, we completely abandoned everything that was working in the first half uh, from what I saw. Um, Joe looked phenomenal in the first half. Uh, he started off, what, 9 for 9 or 10 for 10? Uh, and we had a drop or two, which, whatever, things are going fine. But I knocked off rhythm a little bit. I think he ended up like 13 of 18 in the first half or something like that. I don't have the exact number in front of me. But um, things are going great. Uh, we forced key turnover at the end of the first half. We, we had the majority of the momentum. Uh, and we come out in the second half and absolutely lay an egg. Uh, uh which there were some other variables. I'm not going to touch on that much. I'll let one of y'all else do that. But um, biggest thing for me is uh, Tennessee, 38 rush attempts, 133 yards, 3.5 yards carry. Uh, on paper, it's not very good. Uh, but when you actually look into it, um, Joe Milton had 15 of those carries for 60 yards. So when you take those away, our running backs ran it 23 times for 70 yards. You're never going to win an SEC game like that, especially on the road against a team like Alabama. Um, we finally had some receivers step up um, 99% in the first half. Uh, Squirrel White 
was on his way to having a legacy game, for lack of a better term. I think he had nine catches for 110 yards in the first half, and he finished for 10 and 111. <laughs> I mean, uh, Ramel Keaton bounced back a little bit. Um, it was just tough, man. Uh, we played conservative in the third quarter, and that's what cost us. Um, we It felt like this coaching staff thought that 20 points was enough to get it done, or if we got three or seven more. That was enough. That's how it felt. Um, we come out first possession of the third quarter. If my memory serves me right, and run it three three straight times up the gut, punt. Uh, Alabama throws a deep ball. They get a field goal. All of a sudden, it's twenty to seventeen, and everybody's rectums got a little tighter. Um, yeah, it's just. Nice, I'm frustrated. I feel you, man. I'm frustrated. Um I don't wanna I don't wanna bash anybody because the season's not lost and we still have a lot of stuff ahead of us. Um but after thirty minutes, that is a game you have to win. You're up thirteen in Tuscaloosa and you get beat by 14. Like, it, it's inexcusable. It, it, it truly is. And I don't know. I really don't have a ton of words for it, just to be honest with you. I know that's shocking to most of y'all listening because y'all, <laughs> y'all, y'all know, y'all know how Harbin can get long-winded, but I really ain't got a ton, man. Um, Brett, we ain't heard much from you tonight. Uh, what was some of your thoughts? I'm the same way. I'd like to know what we talked about at halftime because of whatever it was, I don't think we ever need to talk about that again. Because, I mean, like you said, we go into halftime playing a pretty clean half. Even up what we were up, we should have been up by more. I, we we met, kicked two field goals there in the first quarter. You'd like to get seven out of one of those drives at least. Uh, I'm a little bit frustrated when you see 11 carries out of Jalen Wright for 22 yards, Jabari Small, eight carries for 24 yards. I wish – I don't know if I'm just the only one seeing it. I mean, maybe I would give Dylan Sampson in a big game, give him 10 to 15 carries. That's one thing that sort of frustrates me. And then do I remember right there was a Thornton – showing Saturday, but it was on a drop. Yeah, he's he's not in the box score. Yeah. I think I think I remember seeing him out there and he, he was one of the drops. He was. Yeah. Yeah. It was just I thought <laughs> we I'm like I'm with what you said, Harb, I felt like they we totally abandoned what we were doing and what was being what was effective in the first half. And that was sort of frustrating. I'm not like I said. I'm not done on the season or anything. I think we've got a lot to salvage. Joe Milton, I thought played. You could argue his best game of the year. Um, it's yeah, it's frustrating. So. Yeah. Um, and this is my opinion. Uh, if I'm wrong, one of y'all please call me out. Um, but if you're rolling like we were in the first quarter. 
Uh, and arguably, we should have had 24 or 28 at halftime. Um, but to me, if you've got something working, you got to milk it until they stop it, no? Uh, and that's- and my, the, the thing that I took away was we tried to outsmart Alabama at halftime and get ahead of the adjustments, and we ended up outsmarting ourselves. And in turn, it just made us look like we pissed down our leg. Now, I think that's a pretty good way of describing it. Uh, Nathan, did it look any different in the stadium than it did on TV? No, we pissed we pissed down our legs. Um, so I'll say uh, start out with a couple good notes uh, that I noticed. Um, I thought Joe Milton. I, I don't know for the whole game if I would give him a really good grade, but he didn't cost us the game yesterday. He played fairly well, especially in the first half. He played really well. I mean, I thought. Overall, he played better than he did in the Orange Bowl, to be honest. I know he made some big throws in the Orange Bowl, but I thought from start to finish, first first quarter till halftime, he was he was accurate. He was on time with the football. He was putting it where it needed to be. Um, second half, I don't know. You know, they got backed up there in the back of the end zone or close to the goal line there to start the second half, and they got ultra-conservative, which I'll get to in a minute. But um, I think that they just got ultra-conservative because they were afraid of making a mistake. But uh, I thought the receivers played really well in the first half. I mean, I don't know if you all noticed it or not. Remember last year the receivers would run those comeback routes? We were running those a bunch yesterday, and I hadn't seen that much at all this year. Um I don't know what happened in the second half. That didn't come around any. I felt like they were letting Joe throw over the middle a little bit more with some slants and and uh, some in-cutting patterns. Um, I thought he threw it really well. I mean, he was still – one of them he was a tick behind, but they still caught it. But um, my, my thing was I thought defensively, the defensive line played pretty well in the first half. We got pressure. On Milrow, um, Alabama, I don't – they couldn't do anything offensively. They had the one drive. Um, but two the two things that frustrated me yesterday was – and you all talked about the halftime adjustments. I don't know what happened at halftime. I knew – I told one of the guys we were sitting with, I said, Bama's going to come out here. Tennessee's going to have to withstand the storm here for a minute. It's at home. They get the ball first. Um, you knew it was coming at some point. Uh, yeah. Um, and I knew <clears throat> I knew kicking a field goal twice inside the, what was it, the seven-yard line twice. Yep. Um, you think about it. Tennessee goes up 27-7 to seven at halftime instead of 20-7. to seven. That's a whole different ball. That's almost – that's three scores. That's three touchdowns that Bama has to make up. Now, they ended up scoring that many, but <clears throat> I think the mindset would have been totally different for Bama at that point. But – they come out, they score two plays. Tennessee gets the ball after I don't know what in the world. You all watched it on TV. I couldn't hear an explanation on the fair catch, on the kickoff. Um, I still – I've tried to look it up. I still haven't figured out what went on with that. So, I'm not real sure what was going on there. But Tennessee was backed up. And it goes back to – I'm going to rant 
and let me preface this by saying I'm not saying Josh Heupel needs to be fired or anything, but he makes five million or whatever it is a year, so I can rip on him. But um, the last two games he's coached really strangely. I don't know what's I don't know what what he's doing. Um, going forward on the fourth downs deep in your own territory, they got away with it because we got an interception in the end zone for a touchback. And then he went for it in the second half on his own 50-yard line when Bama had momentum, and we gave him a short field, and they went down and scored their third score of the second half. I just don't know why. And he did that against A&M a couple times. He's all over the place with his fourth down calls right now. I don't know if he's trying to if he's trying to make something happen to get keep us from getting in bad spots, but he's putting us in bad spots when it doesn't work out. Um, and then – I really think this coaching staff, even though Milton wasn't a problem yesterday, I thought he played fine. He did what we needed him to do. But it's obvious they don't trust this dude. I mean, we're backed up at our goal line and we run it up the middle three times in a row. Do you think they're doing that last year with Hendon Hooker? Absolutely not. Um, the offense is just so vanilla, so no imagination to it right now. And I don't think it's all because Alex Golish left, because Joshua Hoppel is the mastermind behind all this, um, even though Golish was probably a big part of it. But um, I don't think play calling or their scheme is – it's just so bland. There's no, no imagination to it. And Alabama, to me, it looked like in the second half, they stacked the, the box and said, you got to beat us outside. And our receivers aren't very good. They couldn't get separation. Nobody was open in the second half. We couldn't run the football. Defensively, we couldn't get off the field. We gave up a lot of big chunk plays. I don't know what happened at halftime. I don't know what adjustments they make. I couldn't really tell, but it was just frustrating watching the contrast in halves of football. We we looked like in the first half, we didn't care that we were playing in Bryant-Denny Stadium which, by the way, was not very loud at all yesterday. Um, the only time it got loud was late in the game, but we were playing carefree. It was total opposite of Florida, where they looked tight, they looked nervous, they looked scared. Josh Heupel was coaching really weird that game. It was total opposite, and then it just fell to pieces in the second half. But I was, I'm a little frustrated with Heupel and his guys right now because I don't, I can't figure out what they're doing. There's no imagination on offense, and they're making some really strange decisions on managing the game. And I believe it that along with some officiating yesterday, I think it cost them the game yesterday. I don't think it was necessarily – yeah, there were some plays that didn't get made. You know, Ramel Keaton dropped the ball that would have made it a third and two instead of a third and ten. And this offense isn't built to get ten yards a play right now. It's just little yeah. things like that's killing this team right now. And if they don't figure it out and clean it up, they've still got two tough road games coming up, one of them next week. They don't figure it out, they're staring a 7-5 and five season in the face in a hurry. Yeah, I'll agree with you. And I want to hop in there because I, I was watching the game yesterday over at a buddy's house. And, uh, man, I looked at somebody on that – Fourth down, we went for it. We were on the air side of the 50. I think at like the 44, what was that, mid to third quarter? Yeah. I think we at that point, we're still up three points. Yeah. And we weren't moving the ball very effectively. So you're thinking, we can't get three yards if we run the ball. And do we trust Joe Milton to really put him in an opportunity to have to make a throw right there? 
I didn't. I didn't think Josh Heupel did, and we still went for it. That was that was. I looked at I looked at a guy next to me, and I said, "If we if we don't get this, I think the game's over." And it sure was. enough, Brett, it was. Brett, you played quarterback. Why, when we're in these fourth and short, and I know it's our offense, but we have a two hundred and fifty or sixty pound quarterback. Why are we in the shotgun on fourth and one? I don't understand. I just don't get I, it. I was going to pop in earlier. I had, my dad has some sayings, and she, you know, a lot of them I can't say on the air. <laughs> but one of them, and it goes back to a lot of coaching. I coach Little League football, and we coached together for years. Man, he used to be a big believer of don't let's not overcoach ourselves. You know, do what's working. And we kind of just – got away from that it was it was frustrating yeah um going back to questionable fourth down calls i might be in the minority i don't mind when we go for it on fourth and one on our 35 or on or or at the 50 or or what have you when i have a problem with it is when it's fourth and one and we're in the shotgun, and everybody knows we're running a zone straight up the middle. Yeah. That's where I have a problem with it. If you want to run something creative or maybe a speed option, or or here's a crazy thought, because this is what people did for 100 years, and it worked. I don't know why people quit doing it. Line up your 250-pound quarterback under center and let somebody push his ass across the first down marker. Bingo. Like, I mean, I, I I just – I don't get it. Um, I think that's – you can chalk that up to analytics, and I ain't getting started on analytics. But Are we not allowed in the college game to do the tush push? There's no think, rule against it. No, I think you can, yeah. I mean, they only do that in the NFL. Everybody's doing it now. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm with you. I, Joe Milton, you had 15 carries. It's not like you're afraid of letting him run the ball. Let's line up under center. Can he not take a snap? I I, I don't know. Um, I, I think that's over coaching. That's what I was trying to get to a few minutes yeah. ago. I, I agree. But if you look around college football and you watch other games, almost everybody's doing that. I, I you, think that over coaching everywhere. And it used to drive me up a wall because one of the first memories I have of somebody going shotgun on the one or like fourth and one or something was Butch Jones. And I always get flashbacks to that monstrosity of a tenure he had. And when you have Josh Dobbs and Jalen Hurd and Alvin Kamara, you can maybe get away with it every once in a while. But I just don't understand why you don't line up and let somebody push a grown man three feet. It, it really don't. I, I don't either, Harb. And I I don't necessarily disagree with being in a shotgun. But we all knew – in the stadium that they were going to run it up the middle, it was basically a running back dive, and that's what they did on both on both fourth down plays. I mean, do 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 something like you said, like the quarterback sprint option or roll Milton out or I don't yeah. know something. If you're going to do that, fake it up the middle, what everybody's thinking, and throw it to the tight end of the flat or or somebody, you know, like like an easy little throw that's not going to be covered, you know, like it's. I don't know, man. It, it, it's frustrating. Like, 
I don't know. But <laughs> the moral of the story is we got too conservative, and that's ultimately what cost us. Um, we were playing not to lose instead of playing to win. We did not follow the JWTDG uh, saying uh, we were playing to just not lose the damn game. And I agree you, with that. And I don't care if Nick Saban's 92 years old on oxygen in a wheelchair on the sideline, or really anybody for that matter. You just can't play like that in a conference game. It goes back. It's it, let's be honest. This for I don't know what the deal is over there right now. I got a fly flying around me. Um, this program stinks on the road. It absolutely stinks. Just go back to the last few years. I mean, we've we've not won at Florida. We've not won at Alabama. We're not winning at Georgia. Uh, we lost last year at South Carolina. Like we said, we don't count Vandy. Um. And that was what was so frustrating because I was sitting there half time like, all right, maybe they've gotten over this. Maybe they're turning the maybe maybe they're turning the corner here. Um, they were disciplined. They weren't making mental errors in the first half. They were efficient, like Brett said earlier. Um, but this program absolutely stinks on the road right now. They got they got punched in the mouth to start the second half, and they didn't know how to react. And it showed a lack of confidence in the offense because they didn't really let Joe try to do anything. It's like they tried to play. We're gonna we're gonna line up. We run the football really well. Let's line up and run it. And we couldn't run it. We just could not run it except for Joe Milton. I mean, he had a good day. One, one adjustment I did notice. One adjustment I did notice watching. It seemed like a lot in the second half. I thought we did a real good job getting pressure on Milrow keeping him in the pocket, which I thought was the key to the game. We did a real clean job of that in the first half. The second half, all the, I felt like they kept a tight end a lot, in a lot to block. So they had six, and we didn't. We just kept sending four, and it seemed like they had all the time they wanted. Um, I will say that Bama fans are not enamored with Jalen Milrow. Milrow. <laughs> the one I kept hearing, God, this guy sucks. And even though he did lead him down to some scoring drives, they're still not enamored with him at all. That last sack he took from uh, Joshua Josephs, um, I thought Josephs was going to decapitate him the way he came around the corner after him. Um, and I think everybody in the stadium saw him coming except Jalen Milrow. And it was the guy next to him. He's like, God, he's blind. He can't see nothing on the field is what he kept saying. But – um, and the That's guy the next Bama to me, fans. I'll say this to yeah, they were Bama fans. Um, I'll say this too. He kept saying, I don't know why your coach don't let the let the quarterback throw it more. He's hot. He's good. And I'm like, they don't trust him, man. I'm telling you. I've been trying to say this all day, and he wouldn't listen to me. I said, they do not trust him. I can tell you right now what they're gonna do on the field. And they did. They did exactly what I thought they would do. Um, in those situations when they came up. And it ultimately cost them another winnable game on the road at Alabama. Story of my life. I'm 0-5 in Bryant-Denny, Harbin. Well, sucks to suck. Sad. Maybe you uh, should have watched it at Kevin and Chassie's house. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I should have. <laughs> 
<laughs> it'd have been a it'd have been an easier drive home, I promise. Yeah, a lot quicker. I didn't think I was ever gonna get home today. I got stuck in traffic in Chattanooga. I got stuck in traffic in West Knoxville. I was pleased to get me home. I just want to go home. Man, going through Chattanooga anymore is like going through down Atlanta. That is awful. It is oh, awful. It's right so there. awful. And it was backed up at the the 24, 75, or 59, 75, 20, whatever that is down there. Yeah, 24, it I think it is. All the way through till you get on 75 past Chattanooga. I mean, I was like, I'm never going to get, I'm never going to get back to Straw Plains. <laughs> but yeah. This is going to be the part where I sound semi-insufferable because I can't hold it in any longer. Um, I just want to congratulate Alabama's football program. Um, very quick turnaround. Um, going into this game, they were the third most penalized team in the country. I believe number one in the SEC. And uh, miraculously... Uh, they only had one penalty for five yards against Tennessee Volunteers. So, uh, everybody give it up for the Alabama yeah. Crimson. Five yeah, dogs. yeah. Extremely clean game. Uh, yeah, uh, just absolute master class on clean football. It's just a sign of a great coaching staff, Harvin. I mean, you've got Nick Saban, or as the guy next to me referred to him as God, coaching them. I mean, they're going to clean it up. Right in time for when we play it. Yeah. I mean yeah. – so, congratulations. I'm sure the officials this. were shocked, weren't they, that there weren't any flags to be thrown on that yeah. side of the ball. Yeah, there was actually times where uh, the referees went to grab the flag and kept <laughs> it in, and it was like, wow, that's not a penalty. Let me, ask you, let me ask you boys this. On the one penalty that they did get, Harb, I know you watched it on TV, it was a pre-snap center infraction. And if you go back and watch that replay, the center does not and he does not move the football. He snaps the football, and nobody else in, moves. Which, in my opinion, what I've always well, a few people blocked, but we were about to sack him, and it's yeah. like, oh, they threw the flag so yeah. quick. Yeah, it was like I'm starting blowing the whistle. I don't understand why that play didn't continue. I uh, keep, as in my keep in mind that came after two straight Tennessee offsides. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was their only penalty of the game. And I didn't have to go back and look at any stats to know that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't realize on that second, because I just didn't see it, but that um, touchdown pass Milrow threw right at the second play of the second half. I mean, that lineman, the right tackle, had Tyler (laughs) Barron in a rear naked chokehold. Yeah, I just he's watched the Sunday night game before we came in here. I may have sent it to y'all. You did. It the, the Miami Dolphins got called for the same thing. And it was not near as egregious as the one in the Tennessee game yesterday. No flag in the Tennessee game. It's just unbelievable. I don't know. It can't be something against Tennessee. It just seems like we're always on the short end of the stick with the officiating, whether it's at home or on the road. I don't get it. I really don't get it. It's sad and unfair. It is <laughs> sad. I agree. <laughs> and poor James, <laughs> Pierce. poor James Pierce, man. You look on paper, he didn't have a good game at all. 
But you go and watch tape, man, there's at least four instances where fist full of jersey when he had the corner. And yeah, I truly, I, and we didn't lose this game because of the officiating. I'm going to go fully on record and say that we lost this game on, based on that third quarter. That's why. But damn, it'd be nice if we had a call or two go our way every once in a while. And I know, I know I sound like the biggest homer in the world saying that, but hell, man, I watch as much Tennessee football as anybody. And I watch a lot of other college football. This shit feels egregious. Like, and that might sound like an absolute loser. That's fine, whatever. But damn, I mean, what were they averaging? Eleven flags coming into that game. So I think eleven flags a game. Yeah, I think we, uh, if I read it correctly, I think they were ninety fourth in the country, and we were like a hundred and thirteenth or something in the country in penalties per game or something like that. And we, I thought we played. We had eight for fifty five. Now eight sounds like a lot, but the fifty five yards wasn't much. Um, you we know, get a lot of pre snap penalties, yeah. and I think that's that's kind of Hopple's mo. We've done that since he's yeah. been here. Well, they run, they go so fast, it happens. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, what was their stat Saturday? I think I remember seeing it at one point. We had like nine penalties, but the yards was only like fifty five yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, we had. I think it was eight for fifty five total. Okay. Um. But yeah, no, we had. I think. One killer was we got Bama off the field on a third and ten, and there was a defensive holding, and the the side judge in the back crow hopped and threw the flag about forty yards to make sure everybody in the stadium saw it that it was, and it was a holding. I mean, but the ball was sailed ten yards over Burton's head. I was like, why are we holding? Yeah. When's UT going to get one of those calls when sometimes I feel like you just throw the ball deep thinking, okay, I've got a one-on-one situation. My guy's either going to catch it where I throw this or we're going to get a pass interference. And we never got one of those Saturday. And I felt like Milton put a couple of those out there that wasn't one time. One, wasn't there one in the end zone where Squirrel White got had a hand wrapped around his entire waist? Yes. Um, yeah. And, and then somebody I mean, was, was going down the – Somebody was going down the left sideline, and I can't remember who it was, but he he had his right arm and couldn't couldn't like adjust back to the ball. I think it was and, um, yeah, Caleb. Uh, what's his face? Um, yeah, he didn't. He's yeah. I can't think of the guy's name. Um, Caleb Webb. That was because that happened right in front of us, and I was standing there with my arms up, like, what what are you doing? Like, that's a penalty. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like there was a few obvious ones not called. I mean that that holding when he had him around the neck, I seen that live. And like I'm sitting there watching it with Bo Keck. I'm like, look at him, like, oh my god, <laughs> he just WWE choke slammed him. So I guess my question is, where, like, what does this program do from here? Because we got Kentucky coming up this weekend, uh, going up to. Kroger Stadium or Field or whatever it's called. We can't really make fun of that anymore because our arena is Food City Center now. Unbelievable. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's a, I was on that basketball podcast this week, and I said, 
I was looking at the schedule and I said, yeah, it's at that game's at the food city center. And I was like, wait a minute, that's Thompson bowling. I'm not calling it the food city center. Um, but yeah, the, we've got, we've got two tough road games left at Kentucky at Missouri. I know we've had a lot of success at Kentucky and Missouri or a little bit of success at Missouri over the years, but, um, this team, I don't trust them on the road. Will they come out and play like they did in the first half? Um, at Alabama, or will they come out and play like the second half at Alabama? But this uh, this season's kind of at a crossroads, in my opinion. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, Brad, or hard, but um, they can't let this game this past Saturday affect what comes up this week. Because if they do, they're going to lose, and they're going to lose at Missouri, and they're staring seven and five right in the face, which. Uh, say what you will 10 years ago we would be okay with a seven and five season it's not a losing season it's not five and seven we're not going to go five and seven if we do something is really wrong but i see a lot of chatter that hypel and staff need to put in nico because if you look at it, the goals of the season are pretty much gone. There's no SEC title picture anymore. It probably wasn't there anyways after the loss at Florida, but now it's really gone. Um, but there's still a lot to play for this season. You can still go technically 10 and 2 still on the table. Probably more likely a 9 and 3 or an 8 and 4 season. But if you're not careful, it's going to be a 7 and 5 season. And if they can find a way to win at Kentucky, if they can find a way to win at Missouri, if they can beat Vandy and UConn, that's a nine and three season. That's nothing to scoff at, guys. That's I think I had us at nine and three, ten or two. I didn't have us losing to Florida, but um I don't know. I, I see a lot of that that talk, and I don't know why we should sacrifice this season to build toward next when there's still a lot to play for this year. You can still go to a New Year's Day Bowl. You can still go to the Citrus Bowl or the Outback or whatever it's called now. Um, there's still a lot to play for here, and I'm not on this train of just put Nico in and let's get ready for next year. I want to win games now. Tennessee's got Georgia at home in a few weeks, and we know we've not lost at home in two-plus years. I think Ole Miss was our last loss at home in 21. So we've won a bunch of games at home in a row. And it's not going to be an easy place to play for Georgia. And Georgia's got their flaws just like Alabama did. So there's still a lot to play for. Um, and I don't understand the the chatter from a select part of our fan base to bring in Nico. And who knows? I mean, is now good is at Kentucky a good time to bring him in? No. Now, more likely, a good time to bring him in would be UConn. You're at home. You're playing a bad team. But I don't even know why we're having this conversation. I really don't get it. What do you all think? No, I, I'll, agree, I'll agree with you. I'll pop in hard. I'll be real quick. I ain't got a whole lot to say about that. We're we're 5-2. and two. I'm a big believer you play for what's best to try to win the games you got in front of you right now. I mean, in my opinion, that's the best way to build the program. You put your best players in. I mean, you create a culture where that's what you do at practice. And you hope Joe Milton, you hope Nico's eventually going to be better than what Joe Milton's given us. But there's a reason they had him 
penciled in as our starter to start with. And like I said, we're five and two. We could end the season ten and two. We yeah. beat Georgia. Who knows? I mean, yeah. we we string two halves like we had Saturday, and are we ever going to do that? I don't know. But I don't, I think Josh Apple's done a pretty good job of not having his teams dwell after a big loss so far. I mean, we've had big losses in his tenure so far. Yeah, I mean, there last year at South Carolina was one of the was one of the worst I can remember. We bounced back from that, finished respectable season. I mean, we're five and two. Uh, I had us losing to Alabama coming into the year. I didn't have it. I'm like you, niece. I didn't have us losing to Florida. <laughs> but we've got one more loss than I had. I had us at this point. What do you think, so, Arb? I think talking about starting Nico the rest of the year is the single effing dumbest thing to ever come out of this fan base, and that is saying so much. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's blasphemy. Like it's it's ridiculous. Um, there's two points as to why you don't do it. One, the last time we had a highly recruited quarterback, they got thrown into a bad situation too early. He turned into dog shit. His name is Jarrett Garantano. You yep. are a pretty young, good quarterback. Am I saying that Garantano is good to begin with? I don't know. But we do know he was highly ranked and highly recruited, just like Nico is. We don't know if Nico's any good. Uh, well, the only response I keep – yeah, go ahead, Harb. Sorry, I wasn't trying to cut you off. They're good. Uh, obviously, we have a better offensive coaching staff than the regime that had Garantano. Nobody's arguing that. But the other side of it is, I think you lose the locker room if you do it. Uh, all these guys, especially the upperclassmen that's on the team, your four- and five-year guys, they're like, damn, so like, my last few games are just throwaway for the future. Like, I think you lose the locker room if you do it. Because I think Joe Milton is, if not the most, he's definitely one of the most respected guys in that locker room. Whether if the fans like him or not, I think the I think the his teammates and coaching staff respect the hell out of the guy. I think it's just a very bad and dumb move. And I think I've already wasted enough oxygen on this topic because it's not going to happen the most we see of him is maybe the entire second half against UConn I and, hope so and potentially if things go well the entire second half against Vanderbilt that's the most you're going to see of him god forbid an injury happen to Joe um but yeah that's the it's so stupid to me like Brett said we're five and two man um should we be six and one Yes. Could we be seven and oh? Yes. But what? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean I mean it's not like it's not like we're three and four and we lost A and M and shit like that. I mean, what what are we what are we doing, Nice? What why are we why are Marvin, we I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh I follow this account on Twitter, message board geniuses. There's a lot of geniuses out there. And look, I'm not saying that that they're necessarily wrong, but I just I don't understand. I am. Okay, there you go. 
I don't understand <laughs> the I just I don't understand scrapping this season for next. Like what does that you're throwing away games like you said. What does that tell what does that tell the guys that are on the team now that are, you know, seniors? Like, oh, well, this don't matter. Do they just like F this, I'm done. Um, but I mean, why sacrifice the momentum this program's built over the last couple years to get ready for next year and you don't even know if it's gonna what if we played Nico and he absolutely sucks out there at what say say they start him at Kentucky this weekend and he goes nine for twenty one for hundred and fifteen yards and we and we lose at Kroger Field. What do you think that does for not only the team's confidence, but his. And then what does that what does that say? Yeah, about recruit the vibe around the program totally changes. Where instead you start Joe Milton, you know what you're going to get out of him. He's probably not going to win you the game, but he's not going to lose you the game more than likely, unless he just coughs the football up and throws picks. But what's so wrong with going up to Kentucky and winning twenty four to thirteen and going? six and two and going to UConn going into the UConn game and going to seven and two heading into a tough two games stretch at Missouri and Georgia. I think it just, I think it's a bad move to sacrifice this season for a potential of next year. When you, the coaches have seen Nico, they know what they got in him. Maybe he's not ready. My biggest question, everybody that says, Oh, we need to give him some game time. That's way ready for next year. Guys, do y'all just think that he sits on his hands at practice and they give Milton every single rep? I guess man had a whole spring and summer in practice against our defense with our with our offense. He practices every single day during the season. He's gotten some playing time in games this year. He's going to get to practice all off season next year. You, know, you don't think he's going to be ready or as ready as he'll ever be? I mean, you, you think throwing him in against Kentucky on the road for his very first start is smart? Like, I just I think, think – and I'm – I'm guilty of it too sometimes. We all are. But there's a lot of people that just speak before they think. They get irritated about Joe Milton, and that's fine. You know, I mean, I'm I'm a big Joe Milton defender, and I'm going to ride that train until the damn wheels fall off. I've said that a hundred times. But, I mean, I say things in the moment when I'm irritated, but saying something that stupid instead of just taking a deep breath and waiting 30 seconds and being like, okay, you know, we're five and two. This ain't the team last year. We're going to have a half, half step down. Like, just just think before you speak, guys. I didn't think it was that hard, but God almighty, evidently it is. I mean, I, I'm well, so sick and effing tired of hearing about it. Let, let me uh, – I think winning creates a culture where you – it has to instant fix. And it's just, like you said, we're five and two. Our goals are that we – everybody wants SEC East championship, make it to the SEC championship. You know, it's not there, probably not there anymore. But there's a lot to play for. I mean, why start Nico on the road in an SEC game against a competent opponent? I mean, I I think we go up there and win. But 
we'll get into that later, I'm sure. <laughs> but I think Joe Milton, I, the only response I can get out of the people that want Nico in when I say, what's wrong with redshirting him this year? Is they're like, well, we don't need to redshirt him. He's not going to be here four years anyway. I'm like, well, when's the last time we had a five-star come in here and be one of those that could leave early? Y'all, I mean, winning kind of creates a short memory. I mean, do we want another four-year train of JG? We had that. I'm not ready for that again. We need to – the coaches think it's the best idea to sit his ass out and let him get a year under his belt. I'm in for that. I'm like you. I hope he plays the whole second half against UConn. So, yeah, yeah I, I am actively rooting for that. Yeah, that's the only response I can get is he's not going to be here four years anyway. I'm like, when's the last time we had a quarterback leave early? <laughs> how do yeah, how do you how do they know? <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, I'm like, I don't. I hope so, but. Yeah. Like you all say, I mean, the last time we put a five-star, highly recruited quarterback into a situation he wasn't ready for, we got to watch that progress for four years. And another thing, I don't want to be Debbie Downer or speak this into existence. Five-star quarterbacks hit at about a 50% clip. I mean, yeah. and that, I mean, the numbers show it. I mean, I remember this probably eight or nine, ten years ago. Uh, Blake Barnett was one of the highest-rated quarterbacks coming out of high school ever. He went to Alabama. He never saw the field. And he ended up finishing his career at, like, UNLV or some shit. And everybody was trying to figure out how that happened. I mean, it happens. I mean, you look at Alabama's roster right now. now, They've got Ty Simpson on there. And he's not – they gave him a shot to play, and he stunk. Um, he was a five-star guy that wanted to come to Tennessee under Pruitt, but when Pruitt left, Heupel got in late on him, and he and he didn't it didn't pan out with us. But he's he's riding the pine in Tuscaloosa, so you're right. It's it's not a given that these five stars will come in. And how many Deshaun Watsons are there out there? You know. But I also want to make it clear: I'm not rooting for Nico not to be good. You know, I'm. Oh I'm, yeah. But I'm, I think that goes back to. I think you try to win the games now. And I think Joe Milton was yeah. our best option, and I don't think you scrap that going on the road at Kentucky. He is, and we've got we, we've wasted too much time talking about this. Well, let's, let's move on then, Harbin. I can tell yeah. you're agitated with it. Let's yeah, move let, on. Yeah, let, let's, uh, let's look forward to our matchup this weekend. Uh, we got a big game this weekend. Both of us are kind of kind of reeling a bit, kind of licking our wounds. Um we're five and two and two and two heading into conference play. Uh, I believe Kentucky had a bye week this past week. Uh, I believe they are also five and two they in are. Two conference, so identical records. Um, uh, Vols have opened up as a three and a half point favorite in Kroger Field. Um, Kentucky the line was three and a half is what I saw. It is. Um, Kentucky is historically, uh, just looking back at years prior, they're in the middle of their October slump that they go in every year after they start off five and oh. Uh, so hopefully we extend that slump and make this as traditional a year as possible for this, uh, at least for the battle of the beer barrel. I wish I'd bring it back. Yes. Me too. 
But um, Brett, what's your expectations, thoughts, uh, concerns, uh, really whatever you want to talk about for this matchup against the Wildcats? I'm eerily confident going into this game. Uh, I'm sitting here pulling it up, looking at uh, who they've beaten, and I don't know that they've beaten – Anybody that's very good, but one of the teams they've beaten beat us. So I don't know how that speaks well for me <laughs> shitting on their their wins. Uh, they've lost it. I like Harb said they're in their normal October slump, and I I'm Kentucky doesn't necessarily scare me. I guess the way I would put it. So that that's kind of where I stand going into Saturday. Yeah. Uh, it is a road SEC game. So, I mean, it's a big game. Sure. Nice. What do you think, Bob? Well, I was just looking here. You said the line was Tennessee three and a half. Um, so, you can kind of look at it. If this game was in Neyland, it'd probably be what? Harbin? Six and a half, seven, something like that, probably? At least. I would say seven and a half minimum. I think they would give us the hook above a touchdown if it was in Neyland. I've watched Kentucky play a couple times this year. They they're your typical Kentucky team. They 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 want to run the football. They're not very dynamic passing the football. Um so you look at that, Tennessee, that plays into Tennessee's strengths. They're good up front. Um they've been pretty decent in the secondary, um, except for some breakdowns here or there. Um, but I just I don't Kentucky doesn't necessarily have anything that scares me, and they've not looked great their previous two games against Missouri and and um, and Georgia. Um, everybody thought that Kentucky-Georgia game was going to be this physical, hard-fought, low-scoring game, and Georgia just absolutely boat-raced them. You thought we got boat-raced in the second half against Bama. Georgia boat-raced Kentucky right out of the gates. Um, I think Tennessee wins this game. Um, I think it probably will be a little ugly at times. This this series has a history of tight football games with Tennessee coming out on top. Sometimes it's a history of Tennessee falling behind um, and coming back. I went to a game in 2001 where we were down, I think it was 21 to 3, 24 to 3. Casey Clawson and Dante Stallworth, Kelly Washington, Travis Stevens, and those guys just went berserk. Um, and led a huge comeback. But um, this series has a history of that, you know, mostly tight games, back and back and forth. It's a rivalry game. Um, but I think Tennessee wins. I was looking at the uh, matchup predictor. It's given the Vols a 70.6% uh, chance to win over the Wildcats. So do with that what you will. I think that was about what the Bama prediction was over us. Uh, this past Saturday. So, I don't know. I think the Vols win. Um, I hadn't decided about the line yet on picking the picking against the spread, but uh, I think Vols go up to Kentucky. And I'm saying that I'm tiptoeing here um, because they've been so bad on the road the last couple years. Um but I saw signs Saturday that they were kind of getting out of that until the second half. So I'm anxious to see if this team comes out and continues what they did in the first half um, this weekend. But I think if they do that, they win. If they don't, 
they're in trouble. I mean, you can't really run away from the fact. I think the key to the game is Kentucky's Kentucky. You got to keep them from being able to establish a run and keep that going. I mean, yeah. they had what three hundred? I think I remember looking at their stats against Florida, which they beat them like thirty-three to fourteen. I think it was. They had over three hundred and twenty rushing yards. I can't remember exactly what well, it was. I'm looking at their their uh, stats as a whole for the season. Total yards per game: Kentucky's at three fifty-one point nine. Tennessee's at four thirty-eight point one. I mean, for as bad as Tennessee has looked at times on offense, our numbers are still. Okay. I mean, 220 yards passing, 217 yards rushing is Tennessee's stat. So that's pretty balanced. Uh, Kentucky is 196 passing per game, 155 rushing per game. So there's a huge difference uh, off on the offensive side of the ball in total output between these two teams. Um, I'm looking at defensively, uh, Kentucky allows more yard passing yards per game than Tennessee, 250 to 201 for Tennessee. Rushing yards allowed per game, Kentucky's at 95, Tennessee's at 109. I believe A&M was 84 game, and we rushed for 232. I don't know what Bama was, but, yeah, you're right. We can't let Kentucky get into running the football and controlling the clock, and then we get the ball back and go three and out. You know, if we do what we did, if we do what we did in 21 up there where – they had a ball for eight minutes every possession, and we would score on two plays, and it doesn't matter. But I don't see that our offense being built for that right now. Yeah, we're not having the downfield strikes that we're we got accustomed to seeing a bunch last year. Which, like I said, like I'll go back to I think winning, which is what we want to do, creates expectations that become hard to sustain, and. The second half was a game was a game that we think we thought we were in a position where we could we should be able to win going into halftime. And it just didn't happen. And move on. Yep. What do you think, Harb? What's what's your outlook for the game this this Saturday at Kroger Field? Uh I was just kind of mulling over some stats. Um Prior to the season, I really thought Devin Leary was going to be a difference maker for the Kentucky Wildcats, and he was just not. Yeah, uh, I heard that chatter coming into the season. So, through seven games, uh, Mr. Leary is uh, – he has 1,044 passing yards. Uh, he's completed 58% of his passes. Wait, hang on. No, I'm, I'm completely off. I apologize. Uh, through seven games, he has 1,377 yards on 54% completion, 14 touchdowns to seven interceptions. So, he likes to give the ball up. Um, obviously, not very accurate. Uh, the key to their game, just like always, I mean, it's a Stoops team. They're going to run the ball and they're going to play pretty good defense. That's what Kentucky is. Uh, yep. And their win against Florida, um, Leary had 69 passing yards, but Davis had 26 carries for 280 yards and three touchdowns. That's why they won that game. Uh, but you look at the Kentucky game, I mean the Missouri game, excuse me, uh, Leary went 14-27, 120 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. 
And the reason I'm bringing both of these games up, they were not games at Kroger Field against pretty decent opponents. Uh, and Davis had 20 carries for 128 yards. So he's going to get his more than likely. Uh, if we completely shut him down, it's bloodbath. That's how I'm looking at it. Um, do I think we completely shut him down? No. I mean, he's going to get a little bit on us because it seems like this guy's pretty damn good. I haven't watched much Kentucky this year, to be honest with you. But still Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. It, guys, Alabama could have beat us by 70 last week. Kentucky is still Kentucky. I mean, let, let's not forget that. We've lost to them, what, three times in my lifetime? Three times in your lifetime, Nice. I'm going to think back. Uh, Does the COVID yeah. season count? I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's see. In my lifetime, Tennessee has lost to Kentucky in 84 in 2011. 2017. 2017. 2020. 2020. So in my lifetime, I've, of course, 84, I don't remember that because I was one years old, but four four times in my lifetime that Tennessee has lost to Kentucky. Um, more recently than than earlier, but but yeah, I, I mean, can you imagine being from Kentucky, Harbin? Hmm. Unbelievable. Uh, not particularly. Um no. Uh <laughs> so I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. Uh Vols win. Vols bounce back. Um is it pretty for 60 minutes? I doubt it. Um do we beat them by 30? I doubt it. But I do think we kinda handle them. Um I'm thinking somewhere, truthfully, I'm thinking somewhere in the two-touchdown range. Um, I kind of think that this program looks at Kentucky the same way we do like a Vanderbilt. Uh, We don't play well on the road, but I just don't think Lexington or Nashville change those things. Obviously, Nashville. Do you think we look at Kentucky the way Florida and Alabama look at us? Yes. I think Uh, we do. I, I think, truthfully, I do think, they won't admit it, but I think Florida and Alabama respect us more than we respect Kentucky, though. Yeah. Uh, just because of what we used to be, that's still lingering in the back of their head. They're like, damn, that could wake up at any given time. You know, just like just like if Florida fell off the wagon and we started beating them every year, you know, I mean, hell, like, hell might freeze over when that happens. But <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, it'd be the same. It'd be the same thing. Uh, I mean, I'm just not. I'm just not worried about Kentucky. I'm. I'm just not. Um, this isn't February. We're not. We're not playing in rub against the Rupperies. Like, I mean, maybe I'll we'll make, have. Maybe we'll have the officials on our side this weekend. I wouldn't bet money on that. <laughs> it um, is a C game. I doubt that. Yeah, that's true. Are you are you going, Harbin? Last week you said there were some rumblings that you may be going. What what's happening with that? There is a chance. Uh, it's not a large chance. Um, hmm. I pretty much have to fall into it, or somebody pretty much pick me up and put me in the back of their pickup truck at this point. So my uncle um, yesterday, he's like, "Man, you got to go to the game. You got to go to the Kentucky game." 
I just don't know. I'm tired. I don't want to go. I've been up there a lot um, over the years. I've never been, so it'd be cool to go. Yeah, you should but... go if you if you get a chance to go. You should go. It's not a bad place to watch a game. It's it's not overly loud or anything like that. But I haven't been up there since they redid the stadium. I don't think I have. The last time I was there was 2011 when we lost, and I said I'm never coming back. I've seen all of. I really probably have should have gone back. It used to be an annual trip for me was going to the Kentucky game, but I haven't been in 13, 12 years now. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, if you if you get a chance, you should go hard. What? What? Um, yeah, I might. Uh, it's still up in the air. Um, it's plus money for sure. But um, the way I see this game unfolding is they're going to run it a little bit on us, but I think we're going to get an early turnover. I think we're going to capitalize on it, maybe go up by 10 or so, and they're going to have to throw the ball more than what they want to, and they're not going to be able to establish the run game as much as Stoops want to. I think Stoops wants to run it 30, 35 times a game, minimum. Um, But uh, he's already thrown seven interceptions this year. We have, we have a good secondary. Obviously, our front seven's very good as well. I think we force at least one turnover. For some reason, I'm thinking two or more. And I think that helps us win in the 14 to 17 point range. That's kind of how I'm looking at this. Are you going to give a score prediction? Yeah, I'll go um, – I'll go Vols – uh, 31, Kentucky, 14. Nice. You want to you go? You want me to? I'll, I'll go. So, I make these predictions. You got to look at a stat. The A&M game was the first time Hoppold won a game not scoring 30-plus points. Is that – am I wrong on that or is that correct? I don't know if it's his whole career, but I think at Tennessee he's not won a game if they haven't scored at least 30 points. So <laughs> I was sitting here trying to think, like, uh, see, Tennessee 27 to whatever, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Josh Heupel coached teams don't win games under 30 points. So if I think Tennessee's going to win, you almost got to say they got to score 30-plus points. Um, I still think Tennessee gets Josh Heupel his second win with scoring under 30. I think they win 27 to 17 or 27 to 20, something like that. Um, I, I, I'll, uh, I think we're all in agreement. I think there's two X factors going into this game, especially playing Kentucky. I think one of them is if we can get up early, like Carb said, maybe we press them, get them to press. They start wanting to throw the ball a little bit more than they normally would want to or have to throw the ball more than they would want to. And they can't really establish the run like they they can. Our front seven's big. I think that's the other X factor of the game. I mean, if our front seven can establish themselves and keep them from being able to be in third and two the whole game, you know, put them in some third and nines, put them in some third and longs, you know, that, that, that'll be important. And I think getting up on Kentucky – Getting up on a team that's not pass happy or good at passing the ball is always important. I thought that was important in our in the 
this past Saturday's game, and we we were able to do that. So that's why I felt so good going into halftime. So my prediction of the game, I I don't think we get another high point under thirty. I I think we go down there. I think we win pretty dominantly. They they make some plays. We win 37-24. All right. I like it. We get back on the Vols get back on track and go six and two, Harbin. What? What? And then they're another... calling for Nico. What? Yeah. I got another question for you. What? Your name your name is Nico. What? You play quarterback? What? what? You're a freshman? What? <laughs> You're from Kentucky? What? 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 Imagine? What? What? <laughs> and a couple cheeseburgers. Little cheeseburgers from White Castle? What? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't give a shit about Kentucky. Uh, nope. There we go. <laughs> Excuse excuse the crudeness, but let's just get that out of the way. We're all thinking it. I don't I don't care about them. Um we're gonna get back on track. We're gonna get six and two. And we're gonna we're gonna sal we're gonna salvage a nine to ten win season. That's just that's just the bottom line. I, you wanna, I, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, no, no. I think that's where we're headed. I got all. I mean, Kentucky's still Kentucky. I mean, they got a. In Missouri's good. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Missouri, but they got up 14 to nothing at home in a night game, and got beat 38 to 21. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Kentucky lose their all-world quarterback, Will Levis? Oh, I forgot. What? I forgot. Uh, okay, I was just making sure. Wow, that's a that's a, <laughs> that's a difference maker. Um, somebody enlightened me. Uh, surely, surely he is a franchise quarterback and a starter for one of the thirty-two NFL franchises. Nice. Um, is is Will Levis starting in the NFL? Who? Will Levis. What? What? Who's Will okay. Levis? Do you see where Will oh. Levis' is, uh, old lady left him? Remember her from the draft? <laughs> I, did see that. I did see that on Twitter, yeah. Oh, oh, that picture of her at the draft, it's great. I saw him holding the clipboard in London after QB1 for the Titans went down. And surely, God, Will Levis would have got him. No, they sent in QB2. There's a cat from Liberty. That looks like he's throwing opposite handed. <laughs> he, does. he does. He looks like a lefty throwing right right handed. My God. Long story short is I wasn't scared of Kentucky when they had all world Will Levis. I damn sure ain't scared of Kentucky after they have one don't of have my favorite one of my favorite Will wins was that was that Kentucky game last year. I mean, they came in here. They they oh, obviously yeah. had a lot of flaws last year, but they came in here high as a kite. It kind of reminded me back when we used to beat Georgia all the time. They'd come in here all pumped up, high as a kite, and we would put them in their place. But I feel like that's kind of how we are with Kentucky as a program anymore, and I expect that to continue this weekend. And if it doesn't, they go up there and struggle. 
they're going to have issues the rest of the year, but I think they go up there and hopefully get it back on track. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like we always play them kind of on the downside of their yeah. October slump. Yeah. And we're always yeah. that game that if they win, they could have a damn good year. Yeah. But we, we normally crash that, crash those hopes pretty quickly. We usually crush their spirits until they beat Louisville at the end of the year. So what we got on the SEC slate this weekend, Harb, besides the Vols and the, and the Wildcats at Kroger Field? All right, so uh, kicking the day off at noon on ESPN. Um, got a real pillow fight. We got uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks traveling to College Station to take on the Texas A&M Aggies. Um, will Shane Beamer be in a walking boot? <laughs> Good question. I hope I hope so. I really hope I so. Because I, I want to know – if he's a dorky enough to wear one, or two, see if he was lying about breaking his foot. Well, uh, is he is he going to be like Derek Dooley was when we played at South Carolina that time, and he was on that stool, and he looked like uh, uh, what's that guy in the wheelchair that couldn't talk? That was brilliant. Um, that was the lowest of lows. Yes, Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. He looked like Stephen Hawking sitting on that stool. That was the most embarrassed I've ever been to you be a UT fan. Remember when That's they with the trash remember, can. remember when they rolled him out of uh it was the Arkan it was at Arkansas. Um yeah. and they rolled him out of that ramp on a wheelchair. God. Oh, God almighty. Fear the pants. I think it was <laughs> yeah. Back then. yeah. I I want South Carolina to take a big fat L in that game. God, I want Frank Beaver to get on the hot seat quick down there. Not his biggest fan. I'd All like right. to. I'd like to see them go two and six as well. Yeah. So after that, um, this is probably the main event of next Saturday uh, at three thirty. We have the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Uh, got Georgia and Florida uh, playing in Jacksonville. Uh, is this the last year in Jacksonville? Um, I don't think so. Um, I'm not, I think it might be next year's the last year for a few years until they get their stadium redone. I'll have to look I, wonder if I wonder if they'll ever go back with the, uh, re rescheduling and stuff of the SEC. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I guess a lot's up in the air. Yeah. I think it's next year. I think you're right on that niece. All right, so Georgia's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite, according to ESPN. Um, be interesting to see how Georgia plays uh, after everything that's went on, uh, revolving around Brock Bowers and whatnot. Um, I'd expect them to still handle business against Florida, truthfully. But it's a rivalry game, you never know. Um Kicking off at the same time, uh, hidden on the SEC network, uh, we've got the Mississippi State Bulldogs traveling to Auburn to take on the Tigers. Ooh. Bottom of the dweller of the yeah. West, right? That's just, that's just going to be ugly football. 
Like it, yeah. it's probably gonna be so ugly that it's worth watching. What about art? So I, I took Arkansas minus six and a half because they'd been playing these really tight games and oh I did uh, too. I thought they would bounce back and you know they lost seven to three. Yeah. I mean what what? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh and then kicking off 30 minutes after the balls on the SEC network. We have the Vanderbilt Commodores marching down to Oxford to take on the Ole Miss Rebels. So that'll be a laugher. Yeah. Yes, it will. Um, real quick, I just want to talk about Ole Miss just for very, very minimal time. Uh, Ole Miss down the stretch uh, has Vandy, AM at Georgia. Louisiana Monroe, and then the Egg Bowl. Uh, there is still – well, they're more than likely not going to go to um, to Atlanta unless we got some chaos. But 10-2 and two or – I mean, hell, I mean, I don't think anybody's writing them off against Georgia, are they? There's I a lot wouldn't. of around Georgia. Um, Ole Miss has a pretty decent chance of running the table and going to the SEC championship game. Obviously, they would need LSU to beat Alabama, which is very doable. But, yeah. They'd, act, uh, they'd actually need Bama to lose twice. Because Bama's only loss is against Texas. They're undefeated in conference. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So, yeah, they they Bama would basically have to lose to LSU and then probably what Auburn. I don't know who else Alabama plays besides LSU and Auburn. Yeah, but uh, pretty pretty strong season at Ole Miss. To be honest with you, um, I don't yeah. see. Them, I I I mean, I don't think A and M beats them, and I I mean anything can happen in the Egg Bowl, but Mississippi State's not good, so. I think you're looking at 10 and 2 minimum for all this. So it's quick good shout season. Quick, quick shout out to the Rebels. Um, good season. Elaine. Uh, and across the country for next week. Um, Nothing crazy. Yeah, I looked at it earlier. I've got it. I'm uh, pulling Oregon, it. Oregon, Oregon Utah. Utah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and we have Duke Louisville. That will be a very good game. Uh, it should be at least. Is there outside of that, not a whole lot going on. Um, not a very eventful Saturday, boys. No, uh, which is what I expect at Kentucky. It's a Saturday. If the weather's good, you can go to the golf course Saturday morning and play around, and then come back home and watch football the rest of the day. Bingo. Or, or just. Get up and never leave the couch in the morning <laughs> for the whole day. Even though there's nothing on, but there's still football on. In my case, I'll be coaching a little league football. Nice. I will not. <laughs> I will. <laughs> um. So you you want to do the haters and losers of the week? Absolutely. Yeah. Who, so, wants yeah, who wants to lead us off? Well. Nice. Who won last week, or uh, did you not post the poll? <laughs> I did. I didn't. Imagine. I think. The I think the the chances are that it doesn't get posted more than it does get posted. Yeah. 
you know I always forget. I'm always like, I want, I want people to listen to the show and, and then, so I waited, I'm like, I'll wait a few days and post it and then I forget about it. So. All right. Um, try to remember to remind you like Wednesday. Yeah. You'll have to remind me. I'm getting forgetful in my old age. <laughs> old age. Well, 23 of it. We ought to be able to remember. Post. Sure. Surely. What? Since we don't have any statistics to go off of, uh, we'll just switch up the batting order. Um, I'll lead us off this time. I think I went last couple times in a row. So, um, I'll lead us off. Um, then we can have, I mean, I'm going, I'm going last. I hadn't went last yet. My two appearances. There you go. Uh, niece will go after me and then we'll have Brett. Okay. Um, if you're a recurring listener or if you just pay attention to everyday life, you know that there are, there is an unfathomable amount of haters and losers each and every week on this, on this big place that we call earth. Uh, so obviously you can have, you can have a candidate that we don't mention. And that doesn't mean it's not a viable candidate because there's a ton to pull from. Uh, but I'd like to pick one. Uh, I'm going to pick a guy that has been labeled a prodigy has been labeled once in a generation. Um, but in my opinion, it's just a guy that lays eggs in the only big games that he plays. And that guy's name is Caleb Williams. Um, not only did Caleb Williams pretty much throw away his entire Heisman campaign or any hope that he had of uh, going back-to-back last week against Notre Dame when he threw three picks in the first half and got absolutely boat raced uh, by a team that couldn't beat Louisville. Um, he has a chance to bounce back and get some revenge on the Utes of Utah. And what's he do? Uh, he goes 0-3 against Utah in the last, what, 13 months? So, so. And, th- and he lost to them, what, one day after saying whoever drafts him, he wants partial ownership in their football team? Yeah, I, saw I think that. it's because, I think it's because he didn't paint his knuckles. Oh yeah, <laughs> he, he didn't. He didn't go to Claire's and get his nails done. Yeah, That's what wasn't he the one that painted the? Or was it his nails? Okay, it was his, his nails. nails. Yeah. Okay. Nails, Even uh, gayer. And it was an <laughs> expletive, so I'm not going to say it. But his nails read. Uh, F word. Yeah, that's what it was. MC for Notre Dame. Um, good thing he didn't do it last year because he would have been a meme for this year. <laughs> um, but yeah, this guy's a clown. Uh, he just reeks of entitlement and arrogance, in my opinion. Um, if you really want to break it down, I don't really want to, I want to blame a grown man for a kid's actions, but I think it's the Lincoln Riley effect if we really want to get into it. Um, We've seen this behavior before from Lincoln Riley quarterbacks between uh, Kyler Murray's one, Baker Mayfield's another one. I love Baker Mayfield. I'm not knocking him, but the guy is what he is, you know. Big Baker guy here. Yeah, I love Baker Mayfield. Um, But, I mean, you come out and say 
first of all, a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, him and his father say, well, if we don't like the team that has the number one pick, he's going back to school. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. Well, Friday or so, you say, whoever drafts him, we need we need minority shares in the team <laughs> because Aaron Rodgers got some in his in his contract with the Jets. Aaron Rodgers played twenty years and he's probably a top five quarterback to ever play. Bud, you need to you need to prove yourself. I mean, you, you gotta be you gotta beat Utah once to get my <laughs> to get ownership in the team, my personal opinion. Um and also now there's a lot of people and this is these people might be more of a hater and loser than Caleb Williams. There's a lot of people saying that he should just sit out the rest of the season. I saw said, that today. He can't win more. the – they ain't going to the playoffs. What's our left to play for? If he does that, he is the biggest loser in the world, and he needs to be annexed to the CFL. And anybody that thinks that's a good idea is a more of a loser. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for that reason, Caleb Williams – Proudly is my hater and loser of the week. And I hope to God that we don't have to hear about him much more. I pray to God the California Golden Bears <laughs> hit them with three straight this week. God that'd make me so happy. I but, knew I picked uh I picked Utah. I think the line was six and a half on our pick sheet this week. I didn't even hesitate. I took Utah. I thought the prodigy had bounced back. Ain't a prodigy. <laughs> I know. I should have known better. Yeah. That's why I was – that was sarcasm. All right, Nice. Harvin's the only prodigy I know. Hey, blue chip. Blue In chip. his own mind. <laughs> yeah. Five star. Yeah. What? Hey, well, you know, he, he said it, so that's at least two minds. What? His uh, – <laughs> he thinks he's a prodigy on the golf course, but sources have told me that his golf game is mid. Uh, sources are saying he won't show up. By the way, Harb, did you did you go to the the watch party at the Griffs yesterday? I did. So did they give you any crap about your comments from the podcast last week? <laughs> they they did, actually. <laughs> uh I got called out by Chassis roughly 47 seconds after walking. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah, yeah. Color, color me shocked. Sure. Um, and by the way, disclaimer, uh, Kevin and Chassie never once uh, said that they wanted Nico to be in for the rest of the year. I think I got a little carried away in my rant and maybe remembered things a little wrong. So you, did, like to, you did. So, I would like to I would like to apologize to Kevin and Chassie. I exaggerated a little bit. Uh blame because, the chocolate milks. Yeah. 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 It'll happen. Yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna blame it. I'm gonna blame it on the chalky. So um apologize to them. But they all, but the majority of my rant was true though. Um <laughs> but anyway, uh niece, let's hear your hater and loser. So I've got uh, I went through my mind today trying to figure out on the drive back from Birmingham uh, or from Tuscaloosa. My uncle dropped me off in Birmingham, and then I hit the road. So I had a lot of time to think about the loss and contemplate why I keep going on the road to watching the Vols play, even though the last time I was in the state of Alabama, we won the SEC baseball title. But had a lot of time to think. 
Um, came up with three, and I've narr- narrowed it down to one, but I'll I'll list the other two that um, that uh, I thought about. One of them was was my uncle. Um, he went and he went and bought us some chocolate milks toward the end of the game, um, which I'm thankful for. Shout out Eric Nice for that. But he brings back Bud Light, Harvin. What? And what? <laughs> huh? And the guy they were apparently they were out of everything else. Um in the upper deck of Bryant Denny stadium and, uh, the Alabama guy sitting next to me, who was friends with, uh, Chris, who we stayed with. He was like, I don't know about you, but I feel kind of weird drinking these. I feel I'm starting to, I'm starting to feel a little funny. Um, but anyway, that I said, not really a hater or a loser. Just, uh, can't believe I was, maybe I'm the hater and loser for drinking it. I just went ahead and went at it. So whatever. Uh, my other one was uh, your brother Brett and Undy. Uh, Landry was down there in Undy, and uh, they kept all week. Where are we tailgating at? Where are you going to be at? Hit us up. So when I got down there, I sent him the address. A couple hours go by, no sighting. I call Undy. He said, we're over at the quad. I'm like, the quad? What are you, like Will Ferrell in old school? We're going streaking at the quad? Like, what's going on here? And then I never heard from him. And then after the game, I'm like, hey, where y'all at? Come over here. No response. I call Undy, and Undy's at Rhythm and they're at Rhythm and Brews, which is a an establishment there in Tuscaloosa. And Undy was like, Niece, you gotta come over here. They got a mechanical bull. <laughs> I was like, okay. And apparently Classic that's where all story. the all the kids at the place we were at was wanting to go there, but they didn't, none of them wanted to pay. Apparently the cover charge to get in was, was a little steep. Um, I tried to tell Undy, I was like, dude, we've got the dang club going on right now. And I was wanting to get weird. I was wanting to get weird with Undy, but he never showed up. So, uh, but they're not my haters and losers. They, they were close, but my hater and loser this week is our friend, Blake Dutton. Blake, you know, he likes to run his mouth. Um, really? I don't even know what precipitated this comment, but um, somebody tweeted, it was at Vol Blood, uh, tweeted, crazy how Neyland and alternate uniforms stopped being a bad luck charm the moment we hired a good coach. Weird how that works. And Blake tags me in it. And I said, I never disliked ne- Checker Neyland. I'm sick of us not wearing orange and white at home. Blake says, we, and we are sick of you complaining. This isn't the 80s. Hop on board or get left behind. And I said, who's we? He says, there's a long list of people who are tired of listening to you cry. Well, you know what, Blake? You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of going on the road and losing to Alabama. I'm tired of going on the road and losing to Florida and Georgia. I went to Alabama yesterday. You know what they didn't do? They didn't wear an alternate uniform. They didn't checker the stadium or stripe it or whatever you want to call it. They wore crimson and white like they always do. It doesn't matter what you wear on the field. It doesn't matter. And I'm sick of it. Wear orange and white at home. I'm tired of losing on the road, Blake. I don't give a rat's rear end about checker kneeling or smoky gray or... 70s throwbacks. I just want to JWTDG this thing here. So Blake Dunn's my hater and loser of the week. I thought he was French. He kept saying, we're tired of you. We are. I'm like, what are you, French? What is this we stuff you're talking about? Blake Dunn's my response 
my response to him was was the meme of Stone Cold saying, What? <laughs> hey Nice. Yes, sir. Um if it don't matter what we wear, why are you so pressed about what we wear? Because we shouldn't be worrying about it. We should be worrying about winning the games. I, I agree. Did you notice we wore black cleats yesterday? I did. That didn't bother me. And I, the only reason I noticed it, I was like, it kind of was a throwback a little bit to the Philip Fulmer era because they always wore black cleats most of the time. Thought that was kind of cool touch. But I didn't care. I, I was like, we're wearing all white. I love our white uniforms. I love our orange tops and white pants. Why can't we wear these all the time? I do I do like the orange pants and the white tops, which I'm pretty sure we'll wear this Saturday against Kentucky. But that's a classic part of our uniform. I, I'll agree with you. I, and I, and let me say, I don't mind once a year wearing the the either the black or the smoky gray. But I went to two home games this year and didn't see the orange tops and the white pants. It was October before we wore our classic uniform at home. October, Harbin. Red what? October. What? <laughs> Red October. Nice was ready to set a damn rocket off. Whoa. Oh, Lord. We're talking about shooting about rockets right now, Harbin. Talking about a damn science fair movie. <laughs> All right, Brett, who, who's your hater and loser? Well, I, you've got a, you both have pretty good nomination. Or, I'm Caleb Williams is a loser, and we all know Blake Dutton is. So there's that. Uh, but I think I got an easy winner. Um, you'll have to tell me. Uh, I kept trying to come up with a reference for who I would compare my hater and loser team. It's a team. And it's it's somebody that's always there but can't can't ever get the job done. And I kept wanting to go to like the nineties Braves, but they actually won one. So it's not even that good. So mine is the mascot mafia. Uh me we've got two members right actually here. So Nice, you are me and you both are one of the members. And what have we played maybe six to seven years now down there at Caswell? Yeah, something like that, I, yeah. I think we normally average maybe the two seed. Something and like we that. have yet to win a tournament. Well, so, what I, hey, remember, my, remember after the game uh, the other night, the umpire came up to us and said we, had, we won or we lost in extra innings 14 to 13 to a good team. And he said that was that was one of the best games I've been in all year. And I was like, well, why don't we just hang a banner out there in center field? <laughs> Mascot Mafia yeah. played in one of the best games all year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're always there, always make it to at least the quarterfinals. And we've been in multiple finals. Yeah. We've been the team coming out of the uh, loser bracket, yeah. make it to the if game. We just don't have the gas to get yeah. over the line. That, that second game, though, they're not, we were like Tennessee in the second half, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It's sad. Unbelievable. Y'all this sound, is sad. Y'all sound like the Buffalo Bills. Uh, that's a very good. Yeah, that's a we we make it there. We've won the division before. We just that uh, we can't win the tournament. Yeah, cannot get over the hump. It's unbelievable, and I'm going to make sure this gets posted because 
I think I've got an easy dub because at least half of the members of the mafia know they're losers. And Dang major it. changes are coming before next season. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> will they even hear this? I heard about half of them hashtag unsubscribe to the podcast. Uh, that's why they're hater and losers. Yeah, they Part are. The problem. They are. I don't really want any haters and losers listening to our show anyway. This is a winner show. <laughs> True. Touche. What? Uh, what? Yeah, y'all know I'm bullshitting when I said that. <laughs> this is this is adult softball, so not very serious. No. We have fun. We have fun. Yeah, but I do want to win. Oh, I do want to win, but I like, I like yeah. Anytime I play anything, I'm trying to win. I'm too competitive not to. I mean, I'm going up to the plate and I'm trying <laughs> I think I came up the other night and the bases were loaded. And I flew out. I mean, I drove in a run, but I flew out to center field. And I'm like, God, niece, just put it on the ground. And yeah. I got back to the dugout. And I'm like, why are you so mad? Like, this is adult softball on, on a Tuesday night at Caswell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, but, um, are the are the Cox in y'all's division? Oh, they folded. Yeah, they've, they've officially folded, I believe. I think they've disbanded. Oh. Well, oh. I'm not so sure. Tally, uh, Blake Talley may be, may be keeping them together. Uh-oh. He he claimed, so we'll see. Interesting. Yeah. It's wow. breaking news in the softball wow. world in Straw Plains. Well, uh, I've got to be honest with you, and I'll keep it short. Uh, <laughs> the Cox should have folded a long time ago just based on those damn jerseys that they wear. Those jerseys that the Knox Cox wear are the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. Not to mention that they're orange and blue. Whose dumbass idea was that? Blake Blake Dutton. Hater and loser. Good grief. They're atrocious. and It's nothing personal to any of them. They have fun and they like them, so that's fine. Those things are damn hideous. <laughs> Yeah, Nice. I think we've played seven years down there as the Mafia, maybe six, and that's two seasons per year, so that's 12 seasons. Yeah, yeah, you're that, right. I think that's right. That's, and I think we've got four second place, yeah. I believe, four or yeah, five. I believe that's right, yeah. And yeah. Then I think we were down well, – we were in, the, what, the final six this, this year? Yeah. And it was yeah. nineteen. It was a nineteen-team tournament, so it was a fairly large field for that for that tournament. But yeah, we we did ban- what we do. Hang a banner, final six appearance. Gave her, gave it her all. We tried. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got, Harbin? Is that the end of the show or? Um, Cowboys were on a bye week this week. Um, Thank God. I'm just saying those on bye week. <laughs> I didn't have anything to wash my mouth out with from Nice was Nice was asking if you had anything important to say. <laughs> That's like saying Deion Sanders had a bye week. We're t- we're we're not talking about him anymore. Don't hey, don't you dare compare Colorado football and Dallas Cowboys ever again. Even you don't believe that comparison. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh I don't think so. I don't think I have any shout outs. Um anybody got any shout outs? I don't think I got any. Nobody's important to me this week. No shout outs. It's Kentucky week. It feels like we're gonna go to Kentucky and do what we always do. I'm 
I'm excited. I like night SEC games, so I am excited about that. Yeah. I have y'all that. have y'all ever had one of those Zen pouches? <laughs> I have not. Yes. I would recommend not trying one. <laughs> I felt like I'd been clotheslined by JBL when I tried one <laughs> last night. Okay. It, that reminds me. <laughs> Me sent one of the funniest texts of all time. Oh God. What did I send? What? Oh what? So, so for no for over an hour, uh, in our we have a group message, me, niece, day day in Big Montana. Oh um, I see it here. We, we were bitching going back and forth, talking about the game. Uh well about 30 minutes after, uh, Nice just randomly, I'm not going to say word for word what he said, but uh, he voiced his displeasure with the city of Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is extremely paraphrasing it. Uh, it's three words. Uh, the first letters or the first words, four letters, uh, and then you go from there. Um, but one what? hour, one hour and 18 minutes later, um, he is at a college party, and at 9.37, he just texts and says, boys, Zins are not the play. <laughs> <laughs> so my man – They're not. My man's had him some chocolate Mayfields in him, and uh, he, he threw him a, a Leonard Zinnard in, and he, he got – I believe he got the spins. I believe that's why. I, I didn't I, know what they were. I, the guys had him. I said, what are those things? And they're like, here, try one. And I was like – they said they were like the snusses from back in the day. That was like UT's halftime adjustments. <laughs> what were you well, I wasn't. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Well, it was fun, though. I mean, Chris and them showed me, like I said, a good time. Shout out to them. They're Bama fans. They're probably not listening. I told somebody there. I can't remember who it was. There was a bunch of people there that I – that I do a podcast and they just looked at me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Try I was giving out koozies down there. I left a couple in their apartment, so I hope they put them to good use. <laughs> Should have been stuck to putting those stickers under like their bench in the stadium and stuff. <laughs> My uncle put JWTDG stickers all over the deck last night of the of the condo we were staying at. So I guarantee you those guys will never see them. Um, and they also have this thing there called the trash bush. So there's these shrubs below their patio deck, and they just chuck all of their chocolate milk <laughs> bottles and food plates and everything. And I looked down there this morning before we left, and it is filled with garbage. I was like, who picks that, who picks that up? Like, is there like a janitor walks through or something? Because I asked the guys, they're like, well, I don't pick it up. <laughs> trash bush. <laughs> what? Trash bush. What? <laughs> it's all decomposable. Sure, yeah. It goes yeah. into the soil. It's it, biodegradable. It bush. That way it helps. Yeah. <laughs> more trash. It's, yeah, bio, it, it's biodegradable. It, it's, what? It's science, Nice. It's science. Yeah. Biodegradable. What? What? <laughs> well, Harb, I appreciate oh. you hosting the show this week. I just didn't have the energy. It's all good, man. Energy vampires have gotten me this week. It's all good. We're a team. Uh, when when uh, one of us don't have our A game, we're expected to step up. And uh, 
lead the way. Um, I think the second half of this show definitely went better than the second half of the game. Oh. So I forgot to mention uh, very quickly uh, before we head out, Tennessee basketball was picked preseason SEC champions by the media. Um, I went on the Hoops Southbound podcast early last week and recorded. I think it came out on like Wednesday or Thursday. So um, if you hadn't listened to it, my in-depth analysis of the Tennessee basketball seasons on there. Um, cool, cool basketball show. They really break down um, a lot of basketball in the South mainly, but um, they're previewing every SEC team um, on their show. So if you hadn't checked out the Tennessee one yet, yours truly is on there. So check it out. Um, but uh, Vols are pick number one. I think we were talking before we recorded Harbin. You know, Harbin said – What'd you say about the Vols basketball, Harbin? Uh, we're gonna finish second in the SEC in the regular season. Uh, we're gonna lose to. Uh, it don't matter who we lose to. We're gonna lose in the semifinals <laughs> of the SEC tournament. Uh, we're probably gonna get a three seed in the national tournament and losing the round of thirty-two. Uh, we're gonna run into a white hot. Uh, six seed that uh, goes to the final four. That's what we talked about on that show when I was on there. It's like, can Tennessee get over that hump? <clears throat> I mean, are they going to run into somebody like that, or are they going to be the team that gets hot and beat the teams they're supposed to? I mean, that's the key to it. And I don't know. I think this team has got a chance to be better this year than they were last year because they've added Dalton Connect to the outside who can score. Um. And that'll help Vescovy. And then when Ziegler comes back, and then you got Triple J, and then the guys down low, you got Awaka has developed hopefully over the what? season. What? Um, Adu, what? Meshack, uh, what? what? I would like to formally say, I'm going to announce it on this is October 22nd. Uh, I am going to be the flag bearer, the torch bearer whatever you want to call it, of the Dalton Connect fan club. I think that boy is going to be electric, and I think he's going to be a huge part of this team. And I think he's something that this team has been missing for a while. He might be the missing piece. Uh, he's a three-level scorer. Uh, he can absolutely fill it up. Uh, he's, not, I mean, hell, he's playing at Tennessee. He's going to play some pretty good defense. Um, I think I think he's due for – I think he's going to have a big year. And I am already hopping on board. And I say you better hop on now before it gets too full because that boy is going to be a fan favorite. Colin. And they're ranked, I think, ninth preseason. Ken Palm's got them at like seven or eight. Um, so there's going to be a lot of buzz and hype around this team. But the one thing we talked about on there, and I didn't really realize it until we started going through it, their schedule is brutal. Absolutely. Their non-conference schedule is absolutely brutal. Wisconsin, then you go to Maui. And there's Purdue. There's a chance to play either Purdue, um, Gonzaga, Kansas, and then they do play Syracuse. What? Um, and then they go to they host Illinois at Thompson. What? Boston. What? <laughs> I mean, they're they're not NC State in San Antonio. Their non-conference schedule is really brutal. Um, but basketball, basketball under Barnes is well, I guess, kind of before even Barnes has kind of changed when. We were younger, you know. Uh, basketball was one of those 
it was you didn't really think you almost had a preseason in basketball. Yeah. Their non-conference schedule used to be so bad. Yeah, I mean, it was like you didn't have to pay attention to them before yeah. the season because you had seven, eight easy wins that you kind of got a feel for what you had. Yeah. Now we're playing top ten teams in the first five, six games of the season, which I like. I'd rather do that. They they could well, actually they could actually have not a great record, but not have a bad season because of just who they're playing. Um. So yeah, that's something to watch out good. for. What happens when you get good? Uh, the cream rises to the top, and once you get to the top, you play everybody at the top. I mean, yeah, I like it. Yeah. All right, boys, I'm out. I got to go edit this thing and go to bed. All right. Uh, go to Kentucky and bring that beer barrel back, baby. Get up there, Harvey. Bonnie used to always close out Monday nights. We are out of time. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, back on the road against Kentucky. Could you imagine? I couldn't. What? Next time we'll all be together will be for the UConn game. Uh, hope to see all your shining faces. But for myself, Negative Niece, and Brett, this has been the Section YY8 Podcast. Wish that I was on a rocky top down in the Tennessee hills. Once I had